Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. I hope that you are all doing well. I am very thankful for all of the beautiful conversations we've had this year on Reiki Radio. Um, during COVID, I was very inconsistent with the podcast. I took big gaps of time off. And then even when I came back here and there, it just, it wasn't consistent. So now I have been <laughs> during um, season 11 and for most of season 10, and it feels really good to be back here weekly with you and having these conversations and learning and growing together. And today is going to be no different. So today we are going to have a conversation with a practitioner named Krishna Avalon. And Krishna's work focuses on the role of the subconscious mind in our healing. And I thought this would be a very interesting conversation for all of us to engage in because we hear about that a lot, you know, what is being held in the subconscious mind. And some of you may have even heard about manifestation and how that relates to the subconscious mind. And so talking about it very directly I figured could give us a bit of clarity and some inspiration. So Krishna is going to share with us how the working with our subconscious mind really can contribute to um, not just our healing, but also the impact on our life and our choices and the way forward. So she works with a very specific technique, which I have never heard of. It's called Psych K. And she also works with another modality. The acronym is IFS. And she will tell us more about both of those in this conversation. But that was interesting too. You know, there's so many different methods available to us. And whatever calls to you, whatever calls you forward, it's just interesting that we all have this unique way of being drawn into what will help us each see more fully, more essence and aspect of our true nature. You know, I've been thinking a lot about um, even some of the previous interviews that we've had this year so far. And again, just listening to all of these beautiful people and their stories, we can recognize exactly that there are so many different ways that we can each get to the same destination and it will be unique to each of us. So if you want to learn more about Krishna and her work, and as well as learn more about the techniques that she uses, be sure to visit her website, krishnaavalon.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at krishnaavalon. And I will see you beauties on the other side. Hello, everyone. Today, we are here with Krishna Avalon, who is a subconscious therapist and an acupuncturist, as well as a Reiki master. Krishna, I'm excited about this conversation because it's one, as I was sharing with you, I don't think a lot of people really quite understand, even though we hear about it every now and again. So we're going to talk today about the role of our subconscious mind in healing. But before we get into that, I just want to thank you for coming 
to take the time to share. For sure. I already love being here with you. Oh, good, good, good. We're going to have some fun. Yes. (laughs) So I always am curious, though, about, you know, especially in reading your bio and looking at your body of work. I always wonder what got people on these paths, like what piqued your curiosity and what even drove you towards energy healing and wanting to even look at your own subconscious mind? Yeah. Well, I had been an acupuncturist already for about 17, 18 years and was just like, it is so time for me to grow and change. I'm already really good at what I do, not from an ego place, but like I've built practices and I've sold practices and I've really successfully helped people reach their goals. And I love acupuncture. It was my first love in this life. But for me, what I've found is that growth and change and evolution and being inspired, like those are very, very important things to my spirit, to my soul. And so I had started listening to some podcasts and heard about, you know, the subconscious mind there and started understanding that it creates 97% of our lives. So I became a little bit obsessed. And then I heard about Psych K on one of the podcasts and something in my intuition was like, ding. And I looked into practitioners that did it here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And there was really only one. And I came and saw her for a treatment actually here in this house. I ended up buying her house, which is like a crazy magical story. But um, I honestly, Yolanda did not feel any different after I had that session, but I knew that I wanted to train in it. So I think it was maybe two or three years later, you know, how time is like weird right now, but I like so many people when pandemic hit was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do now? Like I had to close my clinic for nine weeks. I'm just like the provider of my family. I have a daughter who's at home. And so I just thought to look into the teacher who was also my practitioner to see if she was teaching the classes and she was. And so I did all three levels here with her in this house where she taught for 12 years and saw my life starting to change in ways that it wasn't changing before all my life, things that were so difficult for me to just kind of do that other people seem to be able to make happen without any effort, right? And it's because my subconscious beliefs about my self-worth and my deservingness were very contracted. Trusting myself was very contracted. I wasn't like, I'm very intuitive, but I wasn't listening to my intuition. And so even though these changes were starting to happen, I needed more proof because I had been an acupuncturist for so long. So I started offering this one particular balance we call, we do balances in the work that I'm training called Psych K. And so this one balance. You, I'm sorry. I, I want us to know about the balance, but I've never heard of this before. And so I want to make sure everyone even knows what yeah. this modality is. Could you tell us what Psych K is? Yeah, totally. It's a, I don't love the name. I want to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, for psychology and kinesiology and so the kinesiology is muscle testing where we get in clear communication with the subconscious mind and then we go through what's called the balance and that's different depending on the goal and then we muscle test after the balance to make sure there's been a shift so the only reason people have heard of psych k is because of bruce lipton who wrote the biology of beliefs and he refers to psych k as energy psychology And he, um, 
you know, cited Ted K as being like the thing that helped him finish his book and like his favorite way to work with the subconscious. In addition to the subconscious is such a buzzword now yeah. and it's definitely being spoken about. And so people are starting to hear about Psyche and, and then they might find me on the Psyche website, but it has been around for 35 years. Wow. And it's a really simple conscious process, which is why honestly I was really drawn to it because I love simple things the most and like acupuncture. It's a very elaborate medicine, but it's natural. It's simple. It's about the free flow of energy. And so I was drawn to it for that reason. And um, honestly, there were only three things in my life that I really trusted 100%. And it was acupuncture school first, being a mom, and then psych K. Wow. So long story, but you asked. Yes. (laughs) And then when I offered that balance... So I don't know, maybe 15 of my patients just to see what would happen. I wasn't asking for feedback or testimonials, but the things that they were telling me were so incredible and they were able to make so many changes and find peace in ways that they hadn't been able to not be reactive or mad or triggered. And so then I just like really knew like, yes, 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 this is my path and, um, I feel that especially since pandemic, I'm sure you can agree, just so many people have so much trauma and they're so overwhelmed and so burdened. And this for me is the way to help guide all the people that come to me, move through that in a way that does not have to take 15 years or 20 years like it might with traditional talk therapy that only works with the conscious mind, right? Like just, just processing what you're concept. saying, it reminds me of that image. I don't remember what the words were on it, but do you, there was an image at some time on social media where it was like the iceberg above the water and then under the water, you could see something else too. That's what's coming to mind when you speak of this and thinking about those conflicting thoughts that we may have or conflicting beliefs that we don't recognize as being in conflict and may not even make the correlation of So say, for example, if someone says, I want a new job, but really underneath that, they have some fear of interviewing or a disbelief that they could get the new job or whatever other stories are running in the background, they only are focused on the fact of what they think they want, not recognizing what's under the surface and could be in conflict to that. That's what it sounds like. Um, what you're even pointing to. So with that, before we go deeper into it, could you just share with everyone the importance of recognizing what it is we hold in the subconscious mind and the role that it really can play in our healing if we allow that to be so? Yeah, and that's such an important question because we don't necessarily need to know what our contracted or limiting beliefs are, but you can just see your life, look at your life and notice where you're hitting resistance or it's a struggle to make things happen that, you know, you seemingly think should be easy. You're frustrated. You can look at where you're repeating themes in your life that are not desirable. And it's because the beliefs and the programs and our memories and our habits, our feedback loops, that's all stored in in the subconscious. So if we're all running these programs, what programs are you running? 
And I don't like comparing us to computers, but the fact of the matter is we are all running programs. Right. And those programs were created, yes, in, I believe, in utero or before. And then certainly what we learn the first seven years of our lives when our brains are very open and malleable, like a sponge. And we're more in that theta state of being. That's when the brain is most able to soak in information. And then those things are reinforced, right? Through our society and media and the music we listen to. Yeah. It's interesting because as you're saying, one, I think I love the simplicity of the question that you point out of like, well, where are you in resistance? Just <laughs> look at that, right? Keep it simple. Where are you feeling like you're bumping your head against the wall? And it's funny because when you say that, I think of, again, commonly, we just assume like, oh, the universe is against me or I'm so frustrated. We get stuck in anger. But it sounds like with your way of questioning this it would be more beneficial to just like pause and maybe go into a state of curiosity. So with that, if I notice that I'm seeing a repetition in my life of any area in my life, is that what would give me the indication of, okay, maybe I need to go meet with Krishna and sit down and see what I'm holding in my subconscious mind. And is it like a series of questions that you're working with? Yeah, that's a great question. We would check in when you get here. Sometimes people know what they want to work with. Other people have no idea or other people have so many things they don't know where to start. It doesn't matter. We just come, whether it's virtual or in person, and we can do the muscle testing in person or a muscle test on your behalf if it's virtual. And we just get there. I do love to do that transformation of stress balance, especially on a first, second or third session, just because everyone has stress. And when we're repeating thoughts and worries in our minds, it's taking up so much of our energy and our psychic space, our mental capacity. And so that balance is literally energetically how I see it. It like clears the slate yeah. way and make some space. And so who doesn't want to peacefully unattach from something or another? It could be as something as silly as like what your neighbor said to you that you can't stop thinking about, or it could be your deepest wound and trauma. Either one is fine. Both are fine. And we usually end up getting to like two, maybe three balances in a session actually yesterday, but I know her more and She's more like doing a series of sessions. We got to four. One balance though is a lot. Mm-hmm. One balance can change your life. And when then you're doing balances where you're creating what we call goal statements, that's where you're literally creating a new program. So it's like, what program do you want to be running? Like, what do you want your perception to be? Like, do you want it to be? I trust myself. Yeah. It's safe for me to be seen for who I am. I deserve and am worthy of healthy love and support. Or maybe it's money, or maybe it's being inspired in your work, or maybe it's rest. But all those things are pretty foundational, you know? And a lot of people deal with fear of the unknown since COVID, um, feeling worthy of rest, those kinds of things. And so if you all of a sudden create these new programs, your life is going to change. I have to ask you this because I, I am very visual. Obviously, I feel like I'm just noticing that in this moment. But I'm like, <laughs> keep having these visuals while you speak. It, it, I'm seeing like um, 
boxes of just junk, which would be our noise, like whatever stories were echoing again and again. But in this room, we'll say of consciousness, and that if we were able to not have less of our own disturbance, or less of whatever it is that's causing um, things not to flow freely in our mind overall, what then would be like the natural state of relationship or flow between the subconscious and the conscious mind? Like what's creating that disconnect and are they meant to work together? Ideally, they are working together. But if your conscious mind is trying to be like, I deserve to be treated with respect or I deserve this much money, but your subconscious beliefs are, no, you do not because you've never had that experience. You've never been shown that. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to keep repeating over and over. You're going to keep repeating whatever your subconscious mind believes, whether that's true or not. And that is the job of the subconscious mind and the nervous system to seek the information out in the world and show you whatever you believe to keep you quote unquote safe. It's a protective mechanism to keep it familiar for you. So until you change those programs, until you expand your beliefs, you're going to, you're going to just keep repeating. So it seems like too, if we do this work, if we work more on the subconscious, it creates more of a path of allowance for us. So then we can align with what we're saying that we consciously choose, right? And then I have a question around this too, because it just, do you also personally with the work that you do, do you also go into that subconscious space or tap or in or tune into I guess I want to say like program that space for what you want to create, or is it just a matter of creating some clarity, Mm. you know, because you mentioned like the mantra or the intention, you may create a new intention around whatever you're working on, but is that also like a creative space for you? For me, it's a creative space because I think like part of my sort of special sauce (laughs) Well, is helping people come up with their goal statements because that's like being intuitive. It's being a reflective listener. It's being a space holder and guiding people maybe to their blind spots or helping them come up with the right words that are like the alchemy for what they really want to experience. So we call it a goal statement balance, but really I'm just asking you, what do you want? And then from what you want, you come up with the words maybe with my help, but like it should be something that when you read it or I read it back to you, you're like, yeah. That's what I want that I feel connected to that. Yeah. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's not like a paragraph of all of your goals. It's like you tell, we talk about what you want and then we come up with the words that can encompass maybe lots of it. This is interesting too. You bring this up with the words, because of course we hear a lot about the importance and impact of words and what it is that we say. Um, I'm wondering with like, if, say I come to you and we're working on whatever my particular goal may be, is there any particular way or importance in how we are framing things to really speak to the subconscious mind? Yes. Sometimes I might muscle test and ask like, is this the best statement? Mm -hmm. But usually it's very um, obvious in the way that a person will like light up or be like, yes, that's what I want. And they're very clear. 
And you asked about clarity before, and honestly, that's what a lot of people want to balance for is they want to trust themselves to make the right decision. They want to find their path. They want to, you know, trust that joy matters or like what they want matters rather than what they think they should do. So I do balances like that a lot with people. You know what, Krishna, this also is coming up to mind. You make me think of all these random (laughs) things that are coming to mind now. Um, because I think a lot of times when we do think of what our wounds may be, our triggers, our patterns, all of these things, we may see it as almost like it's the only aspect that exists within our consciousness. And so we need to heal that thing so that we can be free to move forward or whatever. But is it also possible or do you notice in your work that sometimes there's a part of us that did exist we were familiar with our subconscious mind was familiar with say you were playful at one point in life you're very playful but then something interrupted that and now it's created this barrier between your remembrance or the recall of a state you actually used to enjoy does that often happen and I just think of that because of what you mentioned about COVID it seems like that created a great interruption for so many of us where we may have disconnected from parts of ourselves that we did like yeah for sure and a trauma can be however big or small so just like you said that that can happen at any time so something that either interrupted or just kept you from trusting yourself all the way or from connecting all the way or being able to um, be okay with yourself or be at ease yeah, those can happen anytime. Yeah. And I just want to mention that the subconscious actually prefers images over words. So I re- I really love that you're realizing you're a visual person because one of the ways that you could work with the subconscious without, I mean, I feel like the work of Psyche is like the big heavy lifting and then you can yeah. use things to reinforce the new beliefs and the new perceptions that you created with things like an action board that you create with just visuals, not with words. And that could be something you make off of Pinterest and have on your phone or your laptop. It could be images you put together on Canva and then print out. I did that and had it printed on canvas in my bedroom, like somewhere else see all the time. Yeah. Um, And to see or do things before you even get out of bed in the morning and then before you fall asleep. Those are the easiest and best times to work with that theta state of your brain where you're going to be most you're going to be um it's easier to access it's easier to get in there so when you're sleepy you're not totally awake and so sometimes people can just listen to a self-hypnosis meditation it's on my to-do list like kind of high up there to create some yeah um but there are other ones out there. I've been trying to listen to some here and there in my spare time. I don't, I'm not in love with any of them yet. But even if you're just listening to like a guided meditation, that's like really peaceful and has you feeling the way you want to feel in your body, you know, that's helpful. So on your own, even if you didn't listen to anything, you could just practice in the morning before you get up it. Like, how do I want my day to feel? Like, what color is it? What does it look like? What does it smell like? Before your brain gets all busy with the chatter, checking your phone, doing something like that. 
you can try to use mantras where you like write stuff on a sticky note and leave it all over repetition eventually does get into the subconscious but you got to do that kind of stuff like so much longer than you would have to do like something like psyche or whatever it is that you're attracted to to do like I said like the heavier lifting deeper excavating and then you use the things like the mantras or the sticky notes or the meditation or the vision board to reinforce the neuroplasticity you just created with something like psyche so I have to ask you this too I mean is mood matter because say for example let's say if I had a vision board or if there were certain mantras but it have a different impact in terms of how it worked or became more ingrained in my subconscious if I were in a happier state versus if I were crying or just feeling heavy? I love that question so much because it might just take you longer. So you could be super crabby and stressed in your day and on your lunch break, you go outside and you're trying to like imagine how you want to feel. You can try that for sure. And it's going to be helpful. It's nice, right? So just offer yourself a new perception um, and a different vibe and activate a different feeling, but it's just going to be easier and more impressionable in that theta, in that theta state, the sleepy state where you're open. Do you ever give yourself the experience to kind of anchor it in more? So I'm kind of thinking of how um, I heard someone say before, like maybe there was a car that they wanted and instead of just having it in mind, which was part of what they did, they would go test drive it to feel the experience of it. Like, do you ever do any kind of hands-on hacks, I guess? Of that. Um, do I do any hands on hacks? I mean, the only thing I can really think of is like going into nature or traveling. So like, Mm -hmm. I love to feel the inner wealth and abundance within me, the like more than enoughness, because how many of us are perceiving from lack and fear a lot. And I'm not saying I never do, but for me, like the remedy would be going into a situation where I'm like, show me show me the not show me the more than enoughness yes the wealth the abundance the like beauty of of all that is and for me that's nature um or like traveling you know because I do love to travel I'll go to a place that feels the way I want it to feel looks the way I want it smells the way I want it to smell has the food that feels good for me um that's what I can think of right now Maybe it's because I'm not a material possession. Not that I wouldn't love some beautiful material things, but like that just is not even coming to my mind right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I understand. I love oh, I I live for experience. Travel, I'll spend my money on like, you know, furthering my education, but like. I do the same. <laughs> yeah, I will empty the bank on experience. Like that for me is just absolutely everything. But it's interesting because now I love with everything you're saying, it's um, just bringing to mind the the importance of almost being interactive with our healing. So for example, you know, people may do yoga, meditate, go to sessions, do whatever we do, but those things may be very isolated, you know, just a short period of time in the day. And a lot of times we don't know how to sustain whatever the work is we've done. So if I come to you and you do the heavy lifting for me, you do side K, we have this whole session, but you've given a lot of ways again to kind of 
you said reinforce, it also feels like living within it so that I can sustain it or we, everyone Mm. listening, that we can be in relationship to the change within our consciousness. So I wanted to ask you this now, (laughs) when Mm -hmm. we are doing this, do you start to notice the change of your mind? So not just that you intended to reconstruct, but do you start to feel or see or notice just in your then conscious awareness that something in you has shifted? Yeah, for sure. And sometimes it's like very subtle, but powerful. Sometimes it's just so obvious and powerful. But like, for instance, if you, like I worked with a client the other day who has MS and she knows she's not supposed to be eating gluten or she gets incredible brain fog Mm -hmm. and her joints start to hurt. And so she'll start eating well for a while, but then she'll fall off. And so we did some balances around like what that's like for her and how she'll shit talk herself or feel bad or guilty. And then we did a goal statement around being able to choose what's best for her mind, body, and spirit. And she wrote to me, like, I think she saw something in my stories and she's like, oh my God, I forgot to tell you, like, here's an update. Like I cleaned out my entire pantry. Like I've been cooking from my, you know, cookbook specific to MS. Like it's been so easy. And like, I haven't even been struggling with it at all. And so (laughs) if you can do that kind of stuff, whereas before you couldn't, that's pretty powerful. Might be subtle, but powerful. And same thing with like other things, like if you come home and you're just so tired at the end of your day that you just want to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and drink wine, it's okay once in a while, right? But if you're like feeling pretty depressed and tired and like not inspired and blah in life and you want to feel different, you can use this work to like transform that stress of the way it feels when you feel crappy the next day that that's how you spent your evening and then you could create a goal statement like I have enough energy to do everything I want and I did that with somebody recently as well who used to love her job she's in the medical field somewhere but now she's like taking naps in her car on her break and then coming home and drinking wine and binging Netflix and so Um, instead now she's going for walks on her lunch break and then she's coming home and like making and prepping food for a a healthy dinner and going for a run. Yeah. And that's huge. It is. That's just reminding me. Yeah. Like if I'm on vacation, I'm far more active than when I'm at home, especially now being on the computer, doing a lot virtually. And I noticed a significant difference in just how I felt overall and wanting to bring that back home because of that interconnectedness of like how I feel in body will change how I feel in mind will change how I, you know, all things. But also you mentioned before that there are all kinds of traumas that could have happened at any given time that may cause these um, different stories that we hold within the subconscious But can you talk a little bit about, even if it isn't necessarily something traumatic, how impactful are the things that we just expose our minds to again and again? Really good question. So yeah, I mean, what you're watching 
definitely imp impacts your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. I have learned, my teachers say, at least I've heard a couple of them say that the subconscious doesn't actually know the difference between what's real and not real. So if you're watching a stressful situation on TV, something scary, something disempowering, which a lot of the programming is so disempowering, it's so yes. codependent. Same thing with songs, you know, even songs that I've loved, I'll like sing them on karaoke sometimes. And I'm like, oh my God, those are the words <laughs> that are getting into my subconscious. I cannot sing this song anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah. And then certainly our habits, because it's really our daily habits that define who we are. And it can be as simple as like, for me, it's been really hard to give up coffee. Like that's my vice, right? Even though my, my gut and my microbiome would prefer that I didn't have acidic inflammatory coffee. My nervous system would prefer that I didn't have to spend two hours after I drink coffee, right? calming right. myself down. Do I love coffee and the ritual and the smell? Yes, I absolutely do. But I've had to use Psych K even for myself in that way to just be like, I deserve to feel good in my body. I deserve to feel healthy in my body. And so sometimes we will use these other things, right? To sort of like avoid how we're really feeling. Yeah, yeah. Maybe fatigue, maybe not motivated who knows what, but it's our habits. So I might love it and I might enjoy it, but it's like, is it good for me? Not the best. Mate would be so much better, but it can be really freaking hard to quit those things if it's just a well-oiled track we've been on forever. And so psychic can be so helpful for changing those habits that will literally change your life. Yeah. It's interesting here. You say it makes me think of how important it is too, that we have to commit to the choice because I think a lot of us, it reminds me of like, say, New Year's resolution, where we will really intend to do something, make a change, and we may do it for a couple of days, and then we just fall off. And it's like, you know, it's mm -hmm. just a memory, whatever. <laughs> it didn't really happen. So it's interesting too, just thinking of um, not only what we may recognize and, you know, doing this type of work with you and the subconscious mind, but that commitment to choice. So, and you said the word ritual, and I was thinking about how so many things really are ritual for us. And we may not even recognize how much that ingrains, like having coffee in the morning or whatever the habit is that we may have. So are there layers to this layers to the release, not just with if we have more than one thing we want to work through, but if there's just a singular thing and I'm like, Krishna, I just really, really, really want to have a different experience around whatever it may be. Is it possible that we have to work at that one thing through several layers and over a period of time? Yeah. I think that for everyone, it's different. I think that definitely we all have layers and I, what I notice is that you, you'll never have to do the same balance twice, mm -hmm. but you might continue to be shown where you still want to grow, where you still want to heal, where you still want to expand. I've learned that now my triggers are gifts because they are showing me like, what is this deeper wound that wants my attention and how can I work with that? Yeah. And do they tend to be interconnected? 
So say, for example, like if you had um, a relative just popped to mind, let's say you had an addiction to shopping and you knew that maybe it wasn't the best thing, but again, it's just this thing. You can't seem to stop shopping as some form of quick self-soothing, right? As you unlayer this and you open that Pandora's box, so to speak, do people often find there's a chain of beliefs that stem from that one that you unlocked? Yeah, sometimes. And I mean, you could do so much work on your entire life. And I don't even like to call it work, but like you can expand or come out of self-sabotaging or limiting behaviors and beliefs by doing just a few sessions of this work, which is really not that long, considering a lot of people I work with have been in talk therapy for like 10, 15, maybe more years, and they're still pissed. They're still anxious, avoidant, triggered by every single thing. And I mean, if that's your, that's how you want to be, that's one thing. But like, if you want to feel peace and you never have, or you would like to even feel joyful or be at ease or grace, um, you know, to be able to perceive the beauty and the blessings of life instead of everything that's wrong, that's going to change your life. Yeah. I have one more question to ask you about this. And I know I'm trying to be mindful of the time. I know we can't keep you all day. What is it like? Is it because I I recognize that, again, thinking of people in my life, myself included, where there are certain things we have a hard time of letting go of. And it's almost like to prove a point sometimes. Sometimes it's not even just because we're unaware. We may be holding on to something out of like spite or grudge or whatever it may be but may not even be aware that that's what we're doing. But then there are other times where sometimes people may hold on to certain behaviors or patterns because they don't even believe they exist. So is it possible that, yeah, sometimes maybe we know it exists and we're just clinging. Okay, it's fine. But are there times where people come to you and they're shocked to find out what it is that they maybe functioning from out of habit or pattern that they really wouldn't have identified with consciously identified with. Yeah, for sure. And what's beautiful about this work is that you can let go of the, like, I don't know, shame from not knowing Mm -hmm. or the like guilt of not being able to do better before, because you just didn't know how, right. You can forgive yourself and others and not just with your conscious mind you can do it with your subconscious and then like you really are able to let go of a grudge or a grievance or something you haven't been able to let go for even though you're trying to talk yourself into it every time you see that person or every time you hear their name or they pop up on your social media you know you do these kinds of balances and then you're just not you're like oh yeah that crappy thing happened but I can move on now. And it's not this like experience in your body and it's not something you're trying to avoid. And it's not something that makes you. Yeah. Mad or feel like you're missing out on something, whatever it is. Yeah. So I have to ask you this too, because you said, you know, your first love was acupuncture. And I know that you've also studied Reiki as well. Do you, even if it's just on yourself, do you ever find that you blend or use a blend of techniques to help 
soften sometimes where people may feel some stuckness or to help acclimate to the change that they may be creating? Yeah, that's such a great question. Yes, I do acupuncture. Yes, I've been doing Reiki or who knows what it's called at this point. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same. I'm like, it's Reiki or something more optimal, the quantum, the Akash, I'm not sure, but um, very powerful. And then I'm also, I do, I guide a very specific way of breathing that clears mm. trapped emotion off the body. And so a lot of my sessions are combination sessions for sure. I'm also just really intuitive in my space holding. And, um, so if we have like five, six minutes at the end of a session and there's not time to get into another balance, I might just sit with someone, meditate with them and clear their field, maybe with some Reiki, or I might, um, I'm also, this is my new newest thing. We didn't even talk about this and that's okay. Cause it's like a whole thing in itself, but internal family systems or IFS as people know it, is a specific mental health training. And it's not because I want to be a talk therapist. It's because I'm so into working with the subconscious, Mm. having a specific mental health training and this whole framework of inquiry to get even deeper into those wounded parts is the language that they use in IFS and to be able to be in relationship with those parts that we have created as protectors. Mm -hmm protecting those exiled, abandoned, wounded places is really been very beautiful to just a little bit get to help people get to know their parts a little bit and then do a subconscious. Yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, because two words you said that struck me. One, I think it's um, one of those things that can be very shocking to people to find that they may have called in certain energies or behaviors or um, parts created parts themselves yes, that manage their life. served them. Yeah, yeah. That exactly. even if it's not serving you now, it may have for some reason served you at another time. I feel like just that recognition alone can be it's so healing for people. So loving. Yes. But you also said coming into relationship with these aspects of ourselves. And I, I wanted just to ask you if you could say a little more about that, because everything with the last sentence you just said, I feel like that could help people soften into giving themselves permission to do this deeper level work. I'm so glad that you get it. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> you know, we could keep going on and on, but yes, it's this framework of being able to speak to get to know these parts ask them to give you a little space so that you can get to know them a little better and earn their trust so that you as the capital S self can start to lead the way. And these parts that have done so many heavy, extreme roles can learn to soften. They can be thanked, they can be seen, they can be acknowledged, and they can be invited into a more preferred role to protect you. Oh, that is so beautiful, Krishna, because it reminds me of, again, how we often, those are the parts of ourselves that we may be ashamed of or try to intentionally look at or not look at, deny all of these things. But you're saying, no, thank it because it did some heavy lifting for you. Yeah. That is really beautiful. Thank you. I'm Gosh, so glad yeah. you get it. I'm so glad you get it with my words and my energy transmission because 
it was like another thing where I didn't really know too much about IFS, but I was like, ding, what's that? And I just feel like people are coming to me. They got all this trauma. This is my skill set. How can I be of greatest service? And um, holding this framework within myself for one, and just the fact that the IFS is really meant to help a person's self energy come through like the sessions are very self like client self led and it's very beautiful how intuitive we really all are and how much we already know once we actually inquire Mm. inside so yeah well okay I know I said one last question this is really (laughs) it this is really it because I know a lot of people who listen to the um, podcast are either just starting to, you know, um, begin on their healing journey and looking for what lights them up or what calls to them. But a lot of us have been practicing whatever we've been practicing for some time. And, you know, a lot of times our own self-care and self-healing can fall to the wayside because so many people just want to be there for others. And we can hear again and again and again, the importance of doing the work on ourselves and on and on. But I wanted to ask you from that lens, because it's beautiful that so many people really feel called to want to help and contribute to the collective. Could you share a little bit about how this work that you've been doing, how it has given you just you you more capacity to hold space and welcome in and be able to deal with the weight of holding the space while people work through their triggers? Because I imagine this must have um, shifted you in so many ways to even make that possible. Yeah, for sure. The psyche absolutely has helped me feel safe to be seen, mm. safe using my voice, trust myself, trust that my story matters, trust that I matter, allow people their own experience while I mind my own business. You know, I do a lot of balances with people for boundaries because we're all very empathic actually mm-hmm. but being able to be present with others and feel but come back to your own energy and have healthy boundaries that is so much easier when you do some subconscious work that you are worthy and deserving of staying in your own energy of caring without carrying yes. right and that's a huge one and then yeah I think that I was meant to do IFS, something higher than me led me into it. Most people are on a waiting list because it's like a lottery when a class becomes available. And a lot of people in the training have been waiting for like three, four years. I got it right away, like literally two attempts. And so, um, yeah, just that. And the fact that in the first training, I cried like four times, it was so beautiful and so loving and so compassionate and like what they call the unblending process, where you do get a little space from an extreme role and just thank it and ask it if you can spend more time with it and get to know it and earn its trust so that, you know, you can lead more with your capital S self and get the other parts to even know each other and work together and find more ideal roles, more preferred roles. It's, it's just really powerful. So, yeah, no, it sounds like it. And I'm sure again, like anyone listening will resonate with so much of what you've said. And it's funny how those things that are just, um, that just ring true for us, you know, it's not like you have to 
try to overanalyze it or over process it to make sense of it. It just, it just makes sense. So I have to ask you um, for everyone listening. I know that you are in the Northwest, but do you work with people in person and virtually? How can people connect with you and what kind of services can we get with you virtually as well? Yeah, I love that. I love virtual sessions because I have been people I've been getting people finding me from like Italy and England and places all over the world. So you can do site K virtually, you can do IFS virtually, you can do breath work virtually, you can do Reiki virtually. And again, sometimes people just schedule time with me. So it's like 90 or 120 minutes of whatever we want to do with that time. Yeah. And you might not know until you show up. And so that's a really great option. Or you can just do, you know, 10 sessions of Psyche, three sessions of Psyche, one single session to just kind of explore what is this Psyche, what's yeah. breath work, um, what is IFS. But I will say it's kind of hard to not bring in all of the lenses that I have, right? Yeah. To what I do. And most of the people I work with, we end up doing a combination of things. Very cool. So when people do book with you or are going to work with you, are there certain things that they need to prepare? Like, do they need a journal for this work? Is there anything that they need to bring or just show up? Just show up and be curious and we'll we'll get, we'll chat about it and it'll come out somehow, some way. If you're going to show up to a session with me, there is a part of your spirit, your soul, that intuitively knows that you want to do this work with me and that I am your facilitator. You know, we all do things differently. And I think that's why when I had Psyche with my teacher, she was my teacher and I love her and she's awesome. She's an amazing person. She just wasn't my facilitator because she didn't really hold space. Like I didn't feel seen or particularly heard with her. She kind of talked about herself the whole time, to be honest. And so I just, she just wasn't my space holder. Right. Um, so yeah, most people show up because, you know, I'm the person that knows how to guide them. Yeah. And I think that's important too. It's funny. A lot of times when people may reach out to me, this actually was more so in the beginning of the podcast, people would say, Oh, do you, um, how can I find a Reiki practitioner in my area? Or do you have one that you would recommend? And I'd be like, you have to do your research and see who really calls to you, feel who resonates with you, call them and have a conversation with them. I feel like you just know, and we feel somehow drawn in and find people even without looking sometimes, right? Um, yeah, so it's interesting when we start to trust that as well. Um, I can't thank you enough, Krishna, for coming to have this conversation. One, I got to learn about two new modalities that I was unfamiliar with. But um, what you shared and just the explanation of your work is absolutely gorgeous. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And for everyone, we can go to your website, which is krishnaavalon.com, which is a gorgeous name. And then on Instagram, you're at krishnaavalon. So it's pretty, you keep it simple across the board. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming to have this conversation today. Yeah. Thank you so much as well. It was great. Yes, and for everyone else, we will see you soon. Bye for now. Okay, beautiful alchemist. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you again to Krishna for having this conversation with us, giving us some clarity around 
how the subconscious mind plays very specifically in our healing process. And again, if you want to learn more about Krishna and her work, visit her website, krishnaavalon.com. Follow her on social media at Krishna Avalon. And if you want to learn more about me or my work, just go to theenergeticalchemist.com, of course. But I also have an app. Do you have it yet? It's really, really easy. From your phone, if you have an Apple phone, go to the Apple store and you, the Apple app store, and you can download, just look for the Energetic Alchemist, download the app. And there is a lot of free content there for you that will support you on your path. And there's also a membership option, of course, that gives you more content. Um, And then if you have an Android, just go to the Google Play store and do the same. Look up the Energetic Alchemist, download it, I update content all the time, including I do Oracle card readings by sign, which is always fun for me, but I would love to see you there. I just figured it would be an easy, convenient way for you all to access more of your Reiki tools, your tools for energetic alchemy, including some guided journeys to support you in the work that you're doing. And there are classes coming up as well. I already have some of um, the end of the year and into next year planned. So if you want to join me in some classes, virtual and potentially live coming up, you want to make sure that you're registered, signed up for my newsletter. With my newsletter, you get free content just by signing up for it, but you'll also know exactly when to register for upcoming courses and events, and you can join the Alchemy Circle as well. So that is it for today, my loves. I thank you all so much for being here. Look forward to sharing more beautiful conversations with you. And I will see you next time. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Remember to always journey in love.